0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with a survivor named Rain, and Rain was raised in an extremely dysfunctional family with a narcissistic mother. It's a story of scapegoats, enmeshment, sexual abuse, dealing with death, and persevering through it all. And now before we get to our episode with Rain, I first want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Also a reminder if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Castbox, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, please do leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you've not been to our website recently at narcissistapocalypse.com, Please do go there if you want to be a guest on our show. Top of the page, it says, you know, be a guest on our show. Click on that little button. Takes you to a guest form. You fill out that form. It gets sent to me. We have a back and forth. Eventually, we'll make up a recording date and we'll go from there. However, another way to be on our show is to go to NarcissistApocalypse.com to be on our Letters to Our Narcissist compilation episode. On the side of the page will be a floating button that says send voicemail. You press that button, records up to five minutes. You need another five minutes, press it again after you're done. You need another five minutes after that, press it a third time. We are collecting these letters for our Letters to My Narcissist compilation episode. And If you don't want to read the letter yourself and you want me or my old pal Melissa to to read it for you, please do send an email with the letter to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Now, other things that are going on at our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses, we are now offering high-conflict parenting courses. And we have partnered with an online parenting company, and many of the courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you listened last year to our episode with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court. And he's now helped create some parenting programs and courses to help you through divorce and to help you support your and help to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to slash courses. And guess what, everyone? We are also now associated with a co parenting app, Our Family Wizard. With Our Family Wizard, your schedule, expenses, and communication are contained within one app so you can solve shared custody challenges faster and without confusion. That means less conflict and more energy to focus on your children. Our Family Wizard has powerful tools to document your parenting time, reimbursement requests, payments, exchanges, and more. We will leave the link to Our Family Wizard in the description of this show. Let's see. What else do we have here for you today? Our Patreon. On our Patreon, everyone. At patreon.com slash Yes, we have shows that have never made it to air. We have follow-up guest episodes. We have pop culture episodes. But we also now have support groups on our Patreon. Every Saturday night and every other Wednesday, we are running support groups. So if you guys need support, it's only five bucks a month. You support the show. There's a support group for you. Great group of people. Hello, all you support group people out there. You know who you are. Uh, We had a great time on Saturday night. And what else do I got here? I think that is it uh, before we start the show. You know, there's a lot of talk in this episode of uh, sexual abuse. Uh, there is discussion of uh, pedophilia as well, so these are trigger warnings for anyone that won't be able to handle that. Um, it's not really graphic, but you know these things are are mentioned. Um, there's a couple instances where um, you might uh, find it upsetting, but uh, I really want to thank uh, Rain for uh, being on the show with me and sharing her story. It's an important story to tell. I know it's going to help a lot of people. So um, thank you, uh, Rain, from the bottom of my heart for being on this episode and doing this with me and sharing your story. And now it's time for the show. I'm going to get out of my way and your way because I am rambling. Here is my episode with Rain. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone, with me. Today, I have Rain. How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well, thank you. How are you? I'm a little tired. I had to travel this week, but I got home, and I am I had kind of a dramatic week as far as like my whole story, but in dramatic in a good way. I kind of like made some connections with some extended family that, that were helpful, I think, or going to be helpful, so... Um, A lot's been going on in the recent time, but everything that's led up to it is sort of why I'm here.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, first, thanks for asking how I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. And (laughs) um, the one thing, I had a Coca-Cola right before we started, and it's given me a bit of an upset stomach. But besides that, you know, we've talked a little bit and uh, gotten to know a little bit. Uh, about your your story and this is a family story and I think it's an important family story for everyone to hear. So unfortunately this has happened to you. You've um, dealt with a lot and your families uh, or your, your you and your daughter have dealt with a lot. Uh, so I just want to thank you for being here uh, to tell your story. I know you're going to help a lot of people and uh, without further ado I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to get out of my way and your way rain. The floor Is now yours.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, I guess sort of the whole synthesis of this is that I definitely have a narcissist for a mother. And that's created a really toxic relationship between me and her from always, from when I was very young. Um, I just, I did not jive with her I did not like how she was and she did a lot of outrageous shit but acted like it was just normal I guess and uh yeah not a lot of people in the family seem I I think they kind of understand that she's well how she is difficult I guess um angry I don't know reactionary punitive but just sort of that that kind of messed me up like sort of On the outside, my mom looks normal, I guess, but she's really kind of very difficult to deal with, and I felt that way from when I was a very young child. So that toxicity with that relationship kind of spread, or the source serves connected to a lot of dysfunction then because she's a narcissist. She treats her kids like... uh, There's a lot of, like... That she favors one but also kind of cripples him in a way. And then I'm kind of a scapegoat and always have been and like kind of an outsider. Um I identify as my father's only child. Like I am the only product of my mom and dad. Um from what I know. My dad was a pretty cool guy. He I mean, he was uh present in the home, but I don't really have a lot of memories of him. He was not very present. I know he was ill at the end. He died when I was about to turn thirteen. Um, and I don't know a lot because <laughs> I was young, um, but he had, you know, like a heart attack and I think he was ill, like heart issues or whatever before that for a, a couple of years, maybe. Um, but even before that, he was kind of destroyed by my mom, um, w- which I didn't really ever fully understand until really recently. Um, and to explain to everyone,
0: you do have uh brothers, but they are from your mother and not from your father. They're from other men.
1: Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, I have two brothers who are um from like my mom's first marriage, first husband, and um then there was a brother who kind of he's actually connected to my dad. He's he, he was like orphaned and he was my dad's best friend younger brother and he kind of had nowhere to go and my dad's friend couldn't really take him. I don't know. My dad, um, and my mom like let him come live with us when he was like a teenager, but that's when I was born. So for me, he was always just in the family, but he's not related really to any of us. Um, but my mom still treated him bad, (laughs) um, which and you know, told me lies about him. Um, uh, so anyway, my dad got his PhD, um, and then what happened was, and I didn't understand this at the time at all, and my mom told me completely opposite things, but he was offered a job teaching out of state, um, you know, kind of across the country from, uh, Cal- California. It was, I think he was Kansas or something, somewhere in the Midwest. And she wouldn't, like, she wouldn't let him go, didn't want him to go. So he kind of, like... She torpedoed his career, and then as I was growing up, she sort of told me, you know, kind of how he was just, like, couldn't get a job in his field kind of thing. Like, oh, he's just this English PhD that can't, like, do anything. But, you know, he had opportunities that she didn't let him take, and that's on him. I kind of had to come to terms with, like, I'm a little bit angry at him, but, um. I mean, screw her, take me and go.
0: (laughs) So she was sowing the seeds of doubt uh, in you after the fact, after your dad died, that your dad was incompetent of sorts?
1: Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's a lot worse than that. Um, Then, then in, when I was, I know that when I was in daycare, kind of as this all was going on, I, I was molested there. I do remember a woman coming to our house and talking to my mom and that's sort of when I got told this story because the woman was coming to apologize or whatever she was the the spouse of a guy it it was a weird thing and like I said I don't really remember it but I do remember uh, as a kid just being kind of I don't know I was aware of sex and, and I had weird issues with like uh, I didn't want to, like, ask to go to the bathroom. There was a time when I was, like, peeing in my room, and my mom, like, came in, and she was, like, all upset, and she said, like, you're worse than an animal. Like, animals don't even do this. But I think I was just kind of, like, having some weird anxiety issues as a young child, and I don't think anybody noticed. You know, they knew what had happened. And then, actually, right after that, when I was about six, I guess, my family moved for a year. My mom and my dad ran this. If my dad couldn't get a job, right? They ran like this group homes for boys, like teenage boys. And when I was living there that year, for sure, I remember being in this like fort thing or something. There's like a big property the the house is on, and there was like ten guys there or something, and me and like my parents and some other like staff or whatever. Um, it was weird. It was a weird time because I just started school that year, but I moved to a new place. It was bizarre. I do remember being out in this sports thing and like taking all my clothes off and telling this boy to take his clothes or no, I told him to take his clothes off and he told me to take mine off. But then I, I didn't in my memory, but then like, I don't have any memory of anything after that. But I know that was weird because he was, like, 16 or something. like, oh, these kids are, like, damaged, too, like, for Christ's sake. Um, and I remember one other one, like, pulling out his penis once. Like, when there was a couple others standing around. It was weird. And I told my mother that at the end of the year when we left. And she got mad at me and said, like, you can't, like, put yourself in that position kind of thing. Like, and so I just, I think that's all, that stuff, early stuff is all kind of connected. Um, like what happened in the daycare, and then what happened like next year, and like all of the weird bathroom anxiety. I I don't really know, but there's some stuff in there. <laughs> um, and my mom gave me a bad message early on, which is that I can't trust her. You know, or she gave me the message that I can't trust her because I tried to I was telling her something, and she, you know, I was six years old. Um, so that was weird, and. Then, oh, and when I went to daycare after that, too, I had a lot of separation anxiety. And I remember as a kid, she used to kind of, like, goad me about that. Like, oh, you were so clingy. You were so clingy. You were so clingy. Um, like, it was kind of funny or whatever. But honestly, I think, mean, like, if, like, bad shit has happened to me, maybe, like, I was, you know, <laughs> going through some shit. And nobody really recognized it. I don't know. So um, so at
0: a very young age, you already had two mm-hmm. uh, awful uh, experiences of abuse. And instead of being motherly to you, she mm-hmm. was, uh, I guess what's the best way to put it, more of judgmental towards your behavior mm-hmm. instead of being empathetic to what you've gone through and criticized yeah. you instead of caring for you and being a mother.
1: Precisely. Okay. Um, yeah, totally. And there was always like this, uh, I was a mature kid, you know, cause I, I heard this like sort of theme before, like on the podcast with other people's stories that, uh, so like I was, a lot of adult stuff was thrust on me early on. Some of it, I guess, came from the outside, but I, my mom had something to do with a lot of it. And I, from early on, I don't know. She was just sort of had this laissez-faire attitude towards me. I was the only girl. I'm the only girl, and way youngest. So she had these teenage boys. I just saw a lot of stuff, and this comes into my family's kind of weirdness at about like is when I really started to thank my mom. My dad was depressed. He wasn't, you know, they'd come home from the group home. He was kind of, he was like working in grocery stores and stuff, but he was not, he wasn't a professor like he had been offered, like the job had been offered a few years back. And she had a lot of negative stuff to say about him. She had tons of negative stuff to say about him. That he was uh, lazy or he's just depressed and he was actually sick. And... I know now that, like even like my my mother's parents were were kind of like horrified at the way she talked about him. So there was not there was massive dysfunction in their family because by about age eight, my mom started this like flagrant affair with this guy who's whatever. I guess fine. It is another dysfunctional relationship, obviously she was sort of like bouncing it around. My dad had some other room. She had her own room and she'd have this guy over. He was not a creep or anything, but he was just kind of like an idiot and she totally treated him like an idiot. And so this guy is now around and my dad's getting sick or, and um, then he died. Um, it, like I said, he'd been sick and I don't really understand all of it, but he died. Um, and I don't think my, I mean, there was no, it was just, my mom didn't really skip a beat. Like she had this other guy. She sort of acted like she was grieving for a while, I guess. But now that I see what it really is like to someone you really love, you know, I don't know what she was doing. And she didn't really seem to be too concerned with me, honestly, Um, She sent me to counseling, but, like, she sent me to my dad's counselor. Like, that felt weird, and I don't know. I didn't have anything to say to that woman. (laughs) Um,
0: Sorry, so this guy uh, all of a sudden is hanging out at your house, who your mom is Mm kind of keeping around. You have no idea what really their relationship is like. Your dad um, is most likely kind of beaten down by her and doesn't – put up a stink about this guy who's all of a sudden hanging out there. She's getting something from this guy. She's putting him down. So obviously, you know, he's willing to be abused. Um, Now you're unfortunately your, your dad passes away. Your mother's grieving is non-existent. And this other man has somewhat just taken Uh, the role or is, is around and willing to be abused by your mom. And he's just there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he was not around in any way. Like he wasn't any kind of like stepfather figure Mm -hmm. or anything, but he was around and he was like nice enough or whatever. And like, he had a daughter that was my age. I kind of knew her in school. Yeah. I remember once we walked home from a school dance together to go to her apartment and like my mom and her dad were like, sleeping together, like, in the living room, like, on the floor or whatever. On, like, the pull-out couch, whatever. That was, like, his room. Um, and we were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and left. Um, and so, yeah. There was all of that happening around the time that my dad died, and then a year after he died, I would have been turning 14, and she had some other, like, ex-boyfriend. It was, like, a guy she was dating before she met my dad. And... So my brothers has he's always been, like, presented as, like, a family friend. Like, always. Um, he was kind of, like, hanging around again. It's my birthday. And I remember he gave me, like, a really cool bike. But I did really, like, like <laughs> and used. Um, but he also, I didn't know this man. I didn't know this guy at all. Like, I knew who he was from, like, family stories or whatever. I never met him. And I had just lost my dad a year before. And it's my birthday again. And he gave me condoms and the the movie Nine and a Half Weeks, which is <laughs> is like a uh, old movie from the 80s with M- Kim Basinger. Mickey, Mickey and Rourke and Kim Alec Basinger. Alderman, I guess. Yeah. Oh, Mickey Rourke. Okay. Mickey Rourke. Yeah. I was young at the time. I never watched the movie, actually, but I remember when it came out. Um, And I knew what that was about. You know, like I, I was already pretty – I was savvy about all this stuff anyway, but like – I felt, like, super weird about that, like... And my mom knew, I mean, she was there, you know, I mean, I don't even remember, I remember it happening, I don't remember the exact moment or whatever, I was probably horrified. So
0: before, Um, before this happened, what is your relationship like mm -hmm. with your mom? You know, you're now 14 years old here, your hormones have kind of kicked in, you're a teenager, Uh, are you butting heads in a big way with her? Like, what's kind of going on, you know, let's say between the eight, like between the ages of five and 14 how did your relationship with her progress and then just get worse
1: well i just tried to avoid her mostly so again back to like how i just uh, i was so mature i could she would always say like you you would put yourself to bed as a kid like which is true like i didn't have any there was no structure and honestly like i probably i didn't need it but um so maybe i wouldn't have wanted it if i had it but
0: so your, so your mom is very neglectful. Is that the best way to put it? Like she put everything—yeah, emotionally neglectful. Yeah, she put everything in your charge, and then I'm gonna say I'm putting words in your mouth, and I apologize. But my guess is that she'd say, you know, you're smart, you're good enough, you can do this yourself. Yeah, you know, she'd she'd make it that you were a capable person, and at a young age, you know, uh, you, you start thinking to yourself, yeah, I am capable, I am, I can do this, and you feel good about that. But at the same time, there's no love. You're not being given any sort of affection. You're not being cared for. You don't know it yet, but that is kind of how eventually, eventually that will manifest in other ways. Yeah.
1: Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I should I always, like, take care of myself. Like, I did fine in school. I did great in school. And, you know, I guess that's probably an area where, like, it's my strength. It's, like, I know I could, like... I guess I just always wanted to, like, get through and not have her, like, attention. I didn't want her attention because it was bad, you know? I, pretty early on, I, like, was not really about talking with my mom. Like, when she started cheating on him, my dad and stuff, I just, like, whatever. I, I saw this person is, like, awful. That's all, all I knew is, like, she didn't really care about shit, you know? She was doing what she was going to do. Um, she, or, around the time my dad died, she got really deep into, like, feminist movement and she was all about like activism but it was always like she made me she made everybody like be involved with her and she like criticized everything so I'm a teenager she didn't like it if I wore makeup or shaved my legs and it's like I'm 13 years old um and she didn't uh, just like disapprove of everything and I just felt like disapproved of in every way so I knew I was already like had my natural talents, but if I did well in school and stuff like that and didn't cause a lot of trouble, like I wasn't going to get a a whole lot of shit from her. And she'd leave me alone too. Like she was neglectful in the sense, like as an older teenager, I could do whatever the hell I wanted. Um, and I, you know, I always was really responsible, but I could do whatever I wanted.
0: did, Um, Did you feel, you know, obviously you are, uh, uh, you know, your your eyes are wide open because you're hyper vigilant to a lot of things based upon everything that's happened. You've seen things that you know you shouldn't have uh, been a part of or ever shouldn't have happened to you. And your mom, in some sense, uh, it sounds like she's acting like a like 14 or 15 or 16 year old uh, girl that gets obsessed with something and then wants like everyone else to kind of do the thing that she's yeah. doing, like a teenager.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she did a lot of, like, temper tantrum stuff, like, always from when I was growing up. But for sure, I remember as a teenager, like, holiday time, anytime, like, there was stress, like, like, stuff, she would, like... She just, or even whatever, she came home and she was stressed out. And She didn't like, like, the living room was vacuumed or whatever. Um, She just did a lot of, like, yelling and slamming doors. I got, she said so many times to me that she should have never had children. Like, by this time, by the time I was, like, four or five, I'm the only one in the, I'm 15 years younger than everybody else. I'm the only one in the home. And, like, you know, I'm with her and my dad or whatever. That's how it was for, until I, For most of my life, until I was like, you know, then in my twenties, I moved out, and my other brother, the favorite one, like moved back in forever. Um, So, yes, she did a lot of like, and then she would like slam doors, like scream, ever, like just like screaming, 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 running around the house screaming, and then she would like slam her bedroom door shut and lock it, and just like you wouldn't see her till the next day, and like she'd act like nothing
0: happens, you know? So I have a couple uh, questions. Um, I have a couple questions. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So yeah. um, as far as when she said something like, I shouldn't have had children, how did you emotionally mm-hmm. respond to that?
1: Um, I... <laughs> when she said, I shouldn't have had any children, how I emotionally responded was, huh, That's a pretty fucked up thing to say to your kid, and bitch, I didn't ask to be born were at me were you
0: angry were you yeah, sad, okay,
1: yeah, I was angry, and when yeah, I was angry, like don't put that on me, don't put that on me. you're the dumb one then, you know, I you, knew that it wasn't my fault that I'd been born.
0: did you feel like <laughs> you had to live up to something for her or you had to be good enough?
1: Uh, no, I just always felt like I was never right. So she would, uh, remember she would say she was always big on like, you're not nice to me and you're not, uh, like everything is all like, I wasn't nice to her. She would, she can, she would say like my cousins were nicer to like her sister than I am to her. Um, she always wanted to get like back rubs and foot rubs and as like that's part of like the emotional incest stuff like she, she wanted to like to be like doted on or like i don't know it's like she wanted to be doted on she also wanted to be take everything she could from you and she also wanted you know like take advantage of you in any way she could for her own benefit but then also criticize the hell out of you mm-hmm. um it, it was, yeah, that's like the triad, <laughs> the nurses' triad. Like, yeah, goat on me, uh, let me take everything I can for my own benefit, and then I'm also going to, like, tell you you're terrible. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't as good as my cousins. I wasn't as good as my friends. Um, she, you know, would say weird things like that. Well, oh, she, I wouldn't go somewhere or do something that she wanted. And she said, well, your friend so and so will and you no know, i mean it, it was just bullshit like i told my friend she's like i don't know what the hell she's talking about she's so awful you know um so so and, so when you did have yeah. those
0: quiet times where you uh you know it is still parent ne- neglect but when you had those times when like she wasn't around at all you could free reign to do whatever you want for you that's just refreshing those are like those moments where you're like you, c- you can breathe you're like you know there's no shoe that's gonna drop you don't have to deal with your mom uh, complaining uh, playing the victim uh, needing you to be mm-hmm. her parent so in-, in a way those are like you know your your child like you as a-, as a parent to your mother those were your times away and it was a relief in those sense. And uh, I guess you said your friend was able to recognize that these things weren't right. When did you start to notice that like every, ev- everyone else's families are normal, mine is like, my mom is not
1: right? I just felt like I was weird. I knew everybody else's family is different, but I thought like I was weird, you know? Um, I knew, like I was oh my God. So weird. And just like all the, you know, I had all these brothers from all different places and stuff, and you know, my dad died. Like in that in itself, like sets you apart. I just felt weird, mm-hmm. and then I think psychologically, I was like still kind of traumatized from some of like the outside, like sexual abuse. I'm sure I just had a, I had a hard time finding myself, and I think part of what my mom's whole narcissistic toxicity is, is like. Like tied into with her kids is like the independence thing. Like she really does see us as like an extension of her, not our own people. And I think probably during my teenage years when I did rebel like against her more, or you know, I'd I would like you know talk back to her and stuff. Um, It was the independence in me. You know, I think that flared something in her. She that it's threatening, right? Me being an independent thinker or not wanting to dote on her, like she could tell that I thought she was full of shit, Um, that doesn't feed her, right? I didn't feed her very much. I gave her a victim in a lot of ways, but when she was kind of like, when we were battling eye to eye, I did not feed that beast. I mean, I was damaged by it. I was confused by it, but I was defiant always, you know?
0: So you talked about uh, emotional incest. Can you kind of go a bit further about, like, the, the, I guess, the degree to which it went?
1: Okay. So that's so, right, she always wanted shoulder rubs and foot rubs. And I, like, didn't want to do it. Like, I haven't done that for her for, like, ever. I was young, but she would have my older brother, the oldest, do it all the time. And they over he was always like the favorite i guess he was like her oldest and the boy i don't know um and no matter what like he never like he's kind of a loser not to you know talk too bad about him i feel bad for him in some ways but he sort of played he he made a deal with the devil and my mother is the devil and the deal was she's not gonna do like she won't come down on him and try and crush his spirit like she does to me, but she'll just crush it in another way, which is like, he's like her lackey. And she really, you know, she, she kind of like faded off. She had that weirdo that gave me like condoms. She still saw the other guy that she originally started cheating on. You know, my dad was like, until I was in my teens or even like twenties, but that's after that, she basically like married my brother. Um, he came home and he's basically been there his whole, all, all, almost his whole little life. He lived there with her. Um, and she really like, coos over him and like, she'd do his laundry and like iron his clothes and stuff. And she's not like that. She's a, that's, she's a feminist. She was like, fuck all of you guys do everything. I am a little, whatever, not to bag on feminism. Like, honestly, out of all this. My mom didn't have all bad messages, just, like, her delivery was horrifying, so, like, whatever. Um, so she really doted on this one older brother, and just the way she talks about him always, and, like, he has no outside – like, he didn't have any girlfriends after, like, a very young age. He's just living with mommy and taking care of mommy and running her errands, or – she's, like, supporting him. He never, like, really made – he doesn't make any money he never had hardly like for a brief time. He was a teacher, which like that we will get into later. But he was kind of like your. He is your, um, like uh, t- stereotypical like guy in the basement, like like guy living in his mom's basement, kind of crap. Um, and kind of weird. Like I said, weird boundaries always. Like he'll kind of like wear a robe around that, like ah, uh, is almost like. Clashing in a way, kind of, and he would like he'd like pee outside a lot. I remember like this weird shit. She he went on a trip shortly after my uh, husband died, and while he was, was like weeks later, while he was gone, my mother slept in his bed, and that that's not the first time. Like she, like she'll go sleep in his bed when he's not there. Um. It, it, <laughs> Like you know, she's missing a lover or whatever. It's just like it's really not the I'm not the only one that you know. My other brother sort of noticed it too. He's a bit. Of, he was a bit of a scapegoat as well. He's total piece of shit, but he was also a scapegoat. Um, it's just weird. It's weird, and she, you know, she totally supports him, really financially, um, and. Yeah, he's just his life is really bad right now, and we'll maybe get into that a little bit later because that's much more recent stuff. Unless you want to get into no, that no, we'll, now. we'll wait, we'll wait, <laughs> because yeah, yeah, um, that's like the seeds. That's sort of like the seeds of where we get like twenty years later. You know what I mean? Um, the the foot rubs and the ugh, like. He's just like the golden child. I I, I don't know. I she just like lights up when she talks about him. It's weird. It's weird because he is kind of like a doofus and he's not a bad guy, but like, I mean, well, he is about, bad... <laughs> he's a bad guy. He's a fucked up guy, but you know, <clears throat> he just like, it's like he doesn't, he never took any responsibility for anything. He sort of like let her run his life and, you know, lives under her roof and lets her pay all the bills. And he's kind of like, is a little bit like a Peter pan kind of thing, but never took any, you know, he didn't get married. He didn't have kids. He didn't like have a good career. Sort of like I got screwed out of having good older brothers because he's like, I don't know. He's no like mentor. I would never take advice from him. Um, I think of him as kind of an idiot, but he's my brother, you know? Um. And I think that her relationship with him goes way back like that, and the way he has turned out has something to do with her, especially because how my other brother turned out as well. His full, bro- his full brother. Those are the two full brothers from the marriage. So I was just dying to get out of the house. You know, I was just kind of biding my time at that point. She kind of let me at that point. I had a little bit more control over my own life because. You know, I could work and I could drive and I could go where I wanted and do what I wanted. And I still didn't have any supervision. Again, like, I didn't really need it. Um, so, fine. And I graduated from high school and I left for college. I had the choice of staying home and going to, like, a slightly better, like, a more, whatever, more prestigious, whatever, school here at home. Or go away and go to, like, a state school. And I definitely wanted to go away. Um, So I went away to college. um, And I came home after the first year. And that's when I met my husband. So, um, and he comes from, he's also a product of narcissists. His dad was just like a drug addict and alcoholic. And unfortunately, my husband kind of ended up the same way. Not the same way as his dad, but he struggled with alcoholism and drug abuse Um, or, you know, drug addiction. And his mom just sort of enabled the dad. And so I met him, he was 17. He had been living on the streets for like two years. His mom kicked him out and his dad kicked him out. His dad kicked him out and his mom kicked him out because his dad couldn't get along with him. His dad was, uh, like, verbally, physically abusive, just, like, he's like, a horrible guy. I didn't quite get it at the time, but that's, like, who he is, who he was, who he still is. Um, And so my husband had been homeless and kind of bouncing around. I think a lot of really bad things happened to him during that time. He also has... Ton, you know, he, there was a lot of abuse in his life as well—sexual abuse, physical abuse. His mother neglected him when she th- let a lot of this stuff happen and threw him out at 15. Um, I met him after all this. You know, he was supposed to be finishing high school at that time, but like all of that was happening. I kind of met up with him again, and we were together. And it was—we were gonna do it, right? We're—we're we were gonna do it. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, we did. But um, my mom hated him until she could use him unless he was useful to her. She talked, you know, I remember when I met him, she just said, why can't this just be a fling for the summer kind of thing? And it wasn't that. Um, And I, he never really came to terms with a lot of stuff. And like I said, he, his alcoholism and drug addiction kind of took a course and it was up and down and we went through a lot of stuff, but it, I almost feel like we were like soldiers in a battle together, like fighting like the sickness like around us, you know? But, um, the fact of the matter is, I'm positive about today is that he and I created together like the family that neither of us had. I'm positive of that. It wasn't perfect, but, um, my kids, yeah, they saw Two people that loved each other and had conflict and worked through it and stuck together and were friends and like I said, our bond was lifelong, like you said. Um, he knew me from <laughs> when I was a kid and I knew him from when he was a kid. I feel like his brother and sister are my brother and sister. Um and I mean the brother's kind of a hot mess, but his sister is like a sister and I I feel like he was my brother and also, like, I had a third child, in a way. Um, I, I honestly, I get upset after he died when his mom, like, goes on and on about it because it's like, I raised your child. You threw him away. <laughs> she threw a child away. And, you know, I love him. So, um, yeah, that's that. But my mother, so that was a tense relationship. We, like, I think we understood each other on a level because of his mom and dad are kind of a lot like my mom, you know? And uh, she did not like him. She talked about him a lot too um, all throughout our relationship. Um, and it's sort of like he did have weaknesses, right? Like I said, like he came from some pretty horrible circumstances and he had a really hard time dealing with life. He's not a good husband in a lot of ways. He's not a good provider in a lot of ways. He was also like one of the coolest people anybody would ever meet. like he he was a great person i i loved him for a reason i'm not an idiot this was you know a once in a lifetime or a very rare in a lifetime kind of connection i had with him and he was that great of a person i don't feel that way about people that often um but he was pretty damaged you know um and my mom sort of saw that weakness i think and so she would prey on that. And that was a weakness in my life, too. You know, instead of, you know, I'm the, I'm the girl with the husband who's a bad provider or whatever, you know, something wrong with me. Instead of, I don't know, wanting to be understanding or, you know, wanting to help us in any way. It's just she's always sort of, like, against – she's, like, against it always. Um, She got really mad at me that she didn't know that we got married because I was pregnant and we got married. She didn't know I was pregnant either. Um, she found out I was pregnant and then we got married. She found out later that we got married. She was really upset about all that always. She's always said that I'm like, you know, a liar or whatever because of that. But I didn't want to tell her anything good or bad in my life uh, ever because it always would, you know, she'd always find a way to like use it or try to undermine me.
0: So Um, so after your uh, husband passed away, you know, well, before your husband passed away, uh you know you were dealing with your your mom and his family but it, so yeah. We, sorry yeah
1: it was mostly us. It was us you know during that time like it, it was he and i more raising our family we were involved with our families but so, trying to do our own thing, but it was all still impacting us. Yeah.
0: Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh, no. So, like during that time, like the ups and downs, a lot of them were with just your husband and, you know, marital struggles. Um, And then your uh, husband passed away. And then mm-hmm. uh, did things bubble up again? Uh, You know, you're grieving. Uh, your husband and did things that like your mom somehow come back uh, more in your life more at that point?
1: Well, she did right before he died. Okay. So he and I were kind of, you know, we had gotten through a lot of stuff. There was still some gigantic, um, there was gigantic elephants in the room. I mean, when he died, I had no idea, but like I cleared out like 30 empty, Whiskey bottles like from under the bed. I didn't even know that. Um, when he died, he was eh, somewhat drunk, not for an alcoholic, he didn't have like a super high blood alcohol, it was like double the legal limit. And he had fentanyl and the in his system, so he was like a regular, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict, mm-hmm. but he was functional and he was still, you know. <laughs> we still liked being together and like he loved our kids and he loved me and I loved him. Um, and we were doing pretty good. You know, we, just we were doing our thing. We were not as connected with my family because what happened was he had a pretty good job there at the end. Um, he, he actually got a great job that they called to tell him he got a week after he died, but he was in a different job at this point. He was doing pretty well, and he went to get uh, his electrician's license, and he did really well, and he got it, and it was about three months later that my mom approached us and said she wanted us to help her do this, like, trying to build a second house on her property. I know it's something she always wanted to do. My two brothers were living with her at that point, like, in her house, which is kind of old, and she wanted to build a brand new house for them to live in, and then my family would move in to pay the mortgage and it would all be great. Like I had a disabled brother, one of my brothers was disabled at that point. Um, and it was like physically disabled. She was kind of taking care of him and I don't know, it would be better for him and good for the kids, whatever. The schools are close by all that. I, I guess, I don't know. We got swindled. I, I thought that I'd spent enough time kind of on my own independent and my mom had some level of respect for me and, you know, we did this thing. My She wanted my husband to, because he had his electrician license and he was, you know, friends with contractors and he had, the, you know, experience with that. She wanted, uh, you know, take out a loan and pay his friend, a contractor, to do this home build. And then, you know, my husband could do the electrical work and, you know, he did a lot of it. They all did. Like, a, they both did a ton of the labor. But, you know, my husband did the electrical stuff. And... So, you know, she got a really good deal on a really nice place that was kind of, you know, custom made for her by people she knew, right, family, family and friends. And we moved in, and, you know, my kids were there. We were there. We were living in her old place. I actually had to move my brother out, the golden child, the one that she really, really babies and favors and sleeps in his bed, Oh, by the way, I had suspected that he was watching child pornography from the time I was about, like, 25, years, less than 25 years old. Uh, because of, like, certain, like, sounds and things I would hear from his bedroom, I was like, this this motherfucker is, like, watching child pornography. And I told my mother that 25 years ago-ish. She didn't listen. She didn't care. She acted, like, her eyes glazed over, honestly. Um, fast forward, whatever he is the one that is the golden child and he wouldn't even move out of his bedroom. He's going to move into the new house that we had built him and he didn't even move out of his lobby figure. He's like a total slob, like just like still. And I had to actually like me and my husband actually had to like basically move his stuff out of his room when we came time to like move in and the new place is all done. And my husband was disgusted. he just like gutted the whole thing and like spent some more money on like just making that room better. For us, um, so we moved actually into my mother's house, and she pulled some of her shit. Initially, I remember just like it was her house still, even though we lived in it and we were paying the mortgage and we're paying the bills. Um, it, it was just she, you know, she wanted things her way when I have to put up curtains in the bathroom because the bathroom like window like looks out into my two brothers bedroom windows she said she felt violated by me that I wanted to put a curtain in the bathroom that like was on those anyway um it, it, she's just real weird however I have to say my husband was a huge buffer I, I don't know why I don't know if it's her my mom's thing with men Um, she saw him as useful to him. I think she was just trying to use him. He could fix everything that she needed in her house. And, you know, he, she was, I think, eyeing on having him, like, do a lot of stuff for her living there. Um, and I would, you know, pay the bills, basically. And so after he died, that buffer that he provided, because, like, he really saw her for who she was. He saw me for who I am. I really trusted him, even, like, if he interacted with her. He made it easier for me to deal with her in a lot of ways, and when he was gone, it was like all bets were off. Um, she uh, immediately kind of started in on me. Um, so I, I had a friend that had come like the first day after he died, and she was sort of helping me contact people and uh, get a hold of um, you know like a cremation service and. Uh, she spent the night at my house, and so it was not even 48 hours after my husband died, we woke up and my friend was there, and my mother pulled me aside and she was upset, and she said, "What is she doing here? You know, like what's this? You know, what's going on?" Kind of thing. I don't. I don't even. I was just like dazed still, and I went and I told my friend. Luckily, my friend's like a little older than me, and she's kind of hip to narcissism, <laughs> and she kind of confronted my mom and um, took me outside and said, this is horrifying that this woman has just done this to you. Um, and then it got worse because my husband and my uh, youngest kid had taken a trip to see his brother in Hawaii. And they brought home a puppy. My brother-in-law had like a litter of like accidental puppies, pug mixes. And they brought a puppy home. And so about three weeks after my husband died, my mother pulled together my two brothers that were living in the house that my husband built to berate me about this puppy and how am I going to take care of the puppy? And they don't want to have to do anything to take care of this puppy. And I, you know, you know, I'm just like terrible. And I've created this problem I better solve it. And I'm awful. All of them, all of them. And this is something that my mom did all the time. My adopted brother who he's estranged from her for a long time. Um, He, he says it was almost like growing up in a cult and He says – he calls it public shaming. My mom would always call – she'd do, like, her temper tantrums, but then she'd always call these, like, family meetings. Like, it was really, like, um, cooperative or whatever, like, super democratic. But it was just tyrannical. It was, like, her time to just, like, rip into me mostly, never my golden child, like, brother, but – just like we aren't doing this enough and we're, you know, always about her and what we're not doing enough to make her life better or whatever. And so it was like another one of those public shaming things. It was, just, it made me feel like I was a kid again, kind of back in that type of situation. And I just like, I all, I, I kind of lost it that night. Um I intentionally, I was losing it and I intentionally got really dramatic with them. Um Again, my friend who had sort of seen how my mom acts, said to me to do this if they ever, like, got really – she said, just act crazy if they, like, ever, like, come down on you and it's, like, unreasonable and terrible and you can't handle it. So I did act crazy and I said, okay, fine, like, I'm going to kill the puppy then. Um, I just started, like, say, you know, or are you going to kill the puppy? I'm going to kill the puppy. And I started, like his- – made, I made myself, like, laugh hysterically and stuff so that it just sort of disrupted the whole scene so much. It. <laughs> just had to stop. My, I mean, I think my mom kind of knew what I was doing and she, you know, she was just, I, I could tell she was kind of upset. She didn't get to do to me what she wanted to do, but I was still in a really upset state over it. Um, And so the next like year or so, was just sort of filled with things like that. She would, I don't know. She would just like, she's a lot of, like weird spying stuff or anytime my kids and I were trying to talk together she would sort of like start walking through the room and such so just again, boundaries. Like we didn't get a lot of privacy. We didn't have, I had no room to grieve with them and to be the mother, like sort of in charge of that because I had my mother around kind of undermining me or like, I don't know, just sort of like rattling me all the time. And she had this whiteboard where she would write stuff all the time. Like your dog needs to be fed or like the dogs are almost out of water kind of stuff. Like, Always just like nagging, and that's very much like she always was as I was growing up. So I felt like these patterns being repeated. You know, like I I was being treated like I was not only like I was a child, but you know, like I was as a child, and I just couldn't handle it. Um, so I was like, I gotta leave. And she had, you know, I had said early on, I I, I gotta leave. You know, I'm taking my kids and <laughs> getting out of here. And she made it seem like that was this huge betrayal to her because we had done this big, you know, property thing and built her a house. And it's all this garbage because she can rent out the house. Like, she, But she said, you're trying to bankrupt me and stuff like that. Um, she's just very cold and very dismissive and about all of this, like family stuff. And, oh, she also would – she told me that she was the only person that would listen to my husband. Um. <laughs> Show me that pretty early on after he had died within like a couple of months. Um, I think I was upset because she had moved his ashes or something and not talked to me or or whatever. And she said, well, I was, he was my best friend and I'm the only one that ever listened to him, Um, which is funny because like he really secretly thought she was like horrible and she really only was using him. So um, I did leave. I left, you know, I, Moved out of there, and, um, like I said, I was, like, financially sort of more, not unstable, but uncertain, because my husband died, and he had just gotten this good job that he's going to be able to retire at 55, but he died at 40, Um, and, you know, my mother upset at me for leaving and she would do these weird creepy things or she'd come in my yard and come and say hi to my dogs and then leave or walk into my house to say hi to my kids and, um, but not say anything or to me or let me know she was coming by just boundaries again, like just like, it feels like she was like spying on me or trying to make me feel like I'm not comfortable in my own home. It's kind of like she used to when I was living over there right after my husband died. If I ever was like trying to talk to my kids or whatever, he would just pass through it's like she was trying to do that to me even after I had like removed myself from the premises. she was trying to come to my premises and do the same thing um so uh, around this time, I found out for my kids that once we had moved out, she um disowned me like she went to a lawyer and uh did all the paperwork and stuff to, you know, write me out of her trust so that, you know, when she dies, the house that my husband built for her will go to my brother and I guess to my kids, although who knows what she's going to do. Um She's always sort of used this house as like, oh, it's like her legacy and it's like, we will get it. And, oh, it's like this nice property and it's whatever. It's one dilapidated old house on a nice property with a nice, you know, two bedroom house in the back whatever but, but it's she, in a but tight rental market
0: but she's using it <laughs> she's using it as yeah. uh, he all my mm-hmm. children here is this trophy who is going to yes. win this and be yes. the best child to me you know and you yourself yes. you know you're a lawyer i assume at this point by like for many many years and the others don't have anything really going for them for so for you, you don't really need yeah money might be tight or whatever you know you're raising right. uh, a bunch of children by right. yourself, but in the long College
1: run isn't cheap <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, but in the, but in the long
0: run uh you are uh you are uh, because of your job you're gonna be secure uh and you don't need to even think about that
1: so. When my husband died, I had the two brothers living with me, you know, living on the property. Um, my the one is a golden child; like he knows he's like he's golden, mm-hmm. right? Um, he doesn't have to do anything; he has that, like nothing. Like she just whatever eats it up. Like I said, it's not like he's a terrible like he is a terrible guy, but like uh, whatever, it's just sick. Um. Oh, and right after my husband died and he went on that one, the little child went on the trip and she slept in his bed and made like a big deal out of it. I remember she told me that when she got into his bed, to sleep into his bed, um, that his hard drive was in the bed. And I'm like, ding, 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 you know, that's his, that's his child porn, you idiot. You know, I didn't say it then, but I was just like, how dumb do you have to be? I know he's watching child porn. Because I did, I knew. Um... And I know what child porn is. I've actually had to like come across some of it in my job. So, um, anyway, there he's fine. He can he can have child porn in his bed, and she's gonna sleep in it and miss him. My other brother was disabled, and he was there. Basically, he's dead now. It was the end of his life. Basically, um, he wasn't. He had. He was a hostage to her. You know what I mean? So. As far as buying for anything, they, nobody—they don't really care. I know my one brother that was not going to really live a long time. He'd given up on life, and he's—he's screwed up all kinds of ways, always. And he did have physical health problems. Um, and so I, I don't know. It's more she kind of just dangles it or talks about it. She talks about when she dies, you know, when she's going to die. She's done it my whole life, and she's yeah spoken about this property she built she has built it up and she built it up in like kids eyes too you know talks to them about it and it'll all be yours kind of thing and it's like whatever
0: so in the last five years you know since your uh, husband passed away uh what uh, i guess issues or things that have bubbled up well, to the surface that right. maybe you hadn't dealt with yet or that just started to really right. show up
1: right so this is kind of the the path of the last five years he died it gets very unbearable with her and then there and we leave and she's creeping around and um I found out from my kids that she had disowned me because I was joking about it because I mean it's not like I didn't see it coming you know um on a level I didn't believe that she would go that far I really didn't but it's not like the idea hadn't, I, I mean, my friend who sees my mom be such a jerk was like, she's going to like, she's going to write all of you out because she can, you know, and she can, you know, make a big deal out of it. And so my kids told me and they were kind of awkward about it because I was joking about it and, you know, they knew this information. She, you know, that's a, another like sort of manipulative tactic where she does this thing to me and then she tells my kids about it, so it sort of like create this tension, right? She's using, she's using your kids, kids
0: as pawns yeah. and as flying, oh. little flying oh, monkeys, God. and and they have no idea.
1: All the time. Yeah. Mm-mm, mm But, I mean, they, they kind of are hit to her shit. Like, my daughter is a little bit like me. She's sort of she, – they both liked her when they were young and stuff, but uh, they kind of see what she does. She told my my oldest once that she was glad that my dad was dead so that she didn't – so he couldn't see what a bad grandchild he had. Because you know my my child wasn't like doing what she wanted or whatever at that point, and my kid was like twelve, mm-hmm. and so my kid remembers that, and like the and they've heard me say you know she's a crazy asshole, you know, um, so they get it, but you know it's still putting them in the middle. And she sends them note, nasty notes. She's a nasty note writer. I've gotten a lot over my life, and she'll send them letters. I, I, I don't know, like if they haven't seen her for a while or something, saying you you're terrible grandchildren i've done everything for you and you don't even care about me and you know stuff like that she's great at that kind of thing um like the guilt and shame stuff and it's always all revolves around her and like what you haven't done for her and right never good enough it's not like i'm so proud of you or anything or like how are you it's just like you're awful um, so I don't like it when I see her do it to my kids because it, you know, it resonate you know, it makes me feel bad that it makes me feel responsible for the fact that she's, you know, abusing them too. Um but like I said, we have a good re- I did what my mom couldn't do, which is have a decent relationship with my kids. And so we talked about it and stuff. And so they told me that and at that point I wrote her a letter. I didn't even want to talk to her. I was so pissed. And I asked my brother, the boyhood child, he confirmed she had done that. And so I wrote her a letter and said, don't come near me. This was like two years ago now. Don't come anywhere near me. Don't come to my house. Like, stop coming over to my house and stalking me. (laughs) And, you know, I get it. You wrote me out of your family trust. Congratulations. You know, your reasoning about why you did it was to help the kids go through college, which doesn't make any sense because Like, at that point, I was taking out loans for my oldest to be in college, which they just finished. So, like, whatever. Um, And, you know, just leave me alone kind of thing. And I I didn't see her for, like, about a year. Uh, I think maybe we saw, went over there briefly. No, I didn't see her even, like, at the holidays. I I think that was, like, the first time. Um, Not the first time I didn't see her, like, on the holidays. It was the first Time It was my first holidays, like, having made the decision to cut her out, you know? And it was a little bit hard, but it was, it was good, right? I had a lot of time. I made the right decision leaving because I've had a lot of time to really do the healing. Me and my kids, like, was needed to, you know? Um, but about a year into me not talking to her, which was about a year ago, she called me at work upset and said the police have come and they've searched the whole place and they're looking for child pornography and like my brother wasn't there. So, you know, she was upset, you know, and I, I went there. Like that was the first contact I had with her in a year, but I felt like it was, I don't know, serious enough that I should go over there. And I kind of talked to her about the whole situation. I was trying to be as supportive as I like, could i guess but she was still kind of like making excuses for him like he says that there's no there's definitely not any child pornography on this computer and stuff like that which i know is a lie i know it's a lie i know from my own suspicions oh the first thing that she said to me when i went over there after she called me from work i went and sat down and she said did you turn your brother in (laughs) Um, because i had spoken about this issue with her I think I had even threatened to do it once. And um, so I said no, because I I had it. Um, Poetic justice. And so I kind of like talked her through the situation. Like, honestly, I kind of went into professional mode because it's kind of what I do. Um, And my brother wasn't there and he wasn't charged or arrested yet. That would come later. But she's very upset on her own behalf and on his behalf. She's very upset at how the police treated them. (laughs) This is the feminist, right? Whatever. And, like, your son's looking like a pedophile, but you're going to be upset about, like, you know, police brutality and, like, I don't know, Black Lives Matter stuff? Like, sorry, it doesn't apply to you. Um, So she was upset about that, and I remember saying something. Oh, they took, like, all of the computer equipment. She had no, like, internet and stuff. And I said he will get all that back, but he might not be able to go on the internet. I don't know. Um, And she was like, well, if I have an account, he could just use it. Like she was already trying to sort of like minimize any consequences or whatever, right? Like make it easy for him. Or, you know, she was talking about breaking the law, really. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I was kind of blown away at that point. I was seeing like the degree to which she'll go to for her little boy or whatever and you know I'm thinking about how she climbed into bed with the hard drive you know all this stuff is like going through my head and she started to kind of try to talk to me about her disowning me and kind of tried to say that it's you know for my kids own good or whatever which is like garbage and I sort of shut her down with it and I I wasn't upset like I did it was kind of the first time I was not like so upset And I kind of felt secure in what I was saying and how I was feeling about her and her, like her craziness was so in my face. Like I couldn't even doubt myself, you know, and I kind of shut her down about everything she was saying. And, um, I'm not kidding. She faked a stroke right at that point. Um, she started like going all woozy and her head was going back and her eyes were rolling. And she started acting like she couldn't really like hear me or respond. And I was really upset. You know, I thought, I I didn't know. I was like, maybe all the stress of this just like gave her a stroke. Oh my God. And I called 911. She made a big deal about she didn't want to go to the hospital. She didn't want to go to the hospital. And like they were, it was her decision, you know, and they were looking at me like, she probably should go. And like, she finally decided to go. And so she got a bunch of attention, I guess. Like, she got out of the difficult situation with me, and she got some attention. And there was no more attention on, like, her and my brother and, like, the sickness going on there with that whole dynamic and this new criminal case coming up. And, um, yeah, like, I went home after that. I think I went back to check on her the next day. Like, there's nothing wrong with her. Like, she got discharged. They gave her some fluids or whatever. She was sure she'd had a stroke. She had no strokes. She was she was like so determined. She scoured her medical records for things wrong. She said, "I know that I am dying because there's something wrong in my chest X-ray." Well, her chest X-ray had an abnormal notation on it because she has like a curved trachea or whatever. Like that was the abnormality. She said she saw something else. But she has a brain tumor, and it was like some other X-ray showed that she has like some small kind of like growth on the like inside the ear that's very common or whatever. It's not, nobody worried about anything. So she's trying to, she's, I think she's trying to deflect. The next day she was like laying on the floor and her bedroom and she was like, I'm dying, you know, and she wasn't. And um, so I, I had like that weekend with her. It was like, you know, pedophilia and cops and the hospitals and fake strokes. And I went home like, the Sunday night, like, that whole weekend, sort of, it was Friday to Sunday. It was just this blur of craziness. And uh, I was talking to my kids, like, oh, my God, you yeah, know, what's happening. It's so insane. And I said to them, I was like, you know, I always, like, kind of, like, had a suspicion about my brother. And, like, you know, me and your dad, like, me and your dad were always, like, kind of, like, vigilant about it. Like, we, cause we had said to them, before, like, just, like, you know, look out for your uncle. <laughs> And um, they were like, yeah, no, I know, and it's kind of crazy. He is weird, but no, no. And then later on that night, my uh, youngest, my daughter, came to me and said that um, the other brother who had died actually had been molesting her uh, when my mom was supposed to be, like, babysitting her after school. I think my mom would, like, maybe, like, leave and go do whatever, do, do stuff, and, like, leave her with my brother. The disabled one... He died, like, a year after my husband died, and that was kind of after he died, I left. Um, And so I guess my child felt safe enough, you know, at this point, and this whole stuff was triggering everything. Um, And, yeah, so that was, like, a year ago that it all kind of fell into my lap how deep, like, all of the dysfunction and the destruction goes. Um, And, you know, that's my child. That's my husband's child. Um, It's, you know, brought up a lot of stuff. Just like me, you know, thinking about him a lot and just how sad I am for it all and how disgusted I am. And, you know, I kind of, my mom raised two pedophiles. That's, like, that. Um, I mean, I'm using the term loosely and I, you know, I'm a professional, but look, she raised one who never left mommy and mommy's married to him. And now he's, you know, he's been watching child pornography. I know for decades and, um, my mom's been sleeping on top of it. Ugh. And then the other one is a monster. And I knew that I didn't know, but there was murmurs in the family that that brother had molested my cousin again like this would have been before I was born and they were young and he also got accused of mosting another girl but he, and I testified in, like for the defense in that case like that like I don't know he had good relationships with his niece and nephew and um, he didn't get convicted but now I kind of get it like she and he had weird boundary stuff too like I saw him naked too much but I, I don't believe I was ever abused by my brothers but I think that it was just like this mess of disgusting dysfunction between them and my mother and my mother and me and my mother and everyone. And uh yeah, it's just been shocking and sad, but because it's so shocking, it's sort of invalidating. Um it's like finally the family that I felt like I had, but you couldn't really see it, like is They, you know, like light has been shined on it. Like it is, it is that, it is that bad. Um, All my intuition about all of it was right all along. So it's like horribly painful. And I feel a little bit better, like just recently, because I reached out to a couple of my aunts. My mom's uh, one of her sisters, the other one's dead. And um, like her sister-in-law they're my aunts. I don't know either of them that well, but I've known them my whole life. And I kind of laid out a lot of this stuff to them. It was briefer, but kind of just, you know, you guys saw what she did to my dad and like, she was doing a lot of horrible behavior and like the way she treated me was awful. And, you know, all of this other shit has come out too. And, you know, I'm hurting and I'm worried for my kids and I'm just estranged completely from my mom. And I kind of need my family. And, um, You know, my mom and sister called me immediately, um, and we had a pretty good conversation, and she kind of validated a lot, although, you know, the whole extended family, my mother's family is the only family I know. My mother couldn't stand my dad's family, and um, after he died, like, we had nothing to do with them. Um, So, I only know her family, and I always feel like it's hers, and I don't know, like, she controls everything, but and they've kind of let a lot of stuff slide. They saw how badly she treated my dad and they know that, you know, she's not well mentally. I mean, her sister said that to me, she's not well, but nobody's ever said that to me before. Nobody said that to me when I was a kid. Um, and so it is it is validating, but it's, it doesn't take away like how complicit everybody was in somebody's Like you said, she was acting pretty, That's pretty outrageous, Um, and I guess that's where it's kind of all harmed me a little bit. Is like there's a lot of outrageous behavior that has been aimed at me, or I've been affected by by her, definitely by my husband a little bit, and by his family. And it's like, when that's all you know, it's hard to really see how outrageous it is. And I'm coming to understand that now more. And that has been helpful. Like my, my other aunt actually just called, I haven't talked to her, but she just called and left me a voice call message like a couple hours ago today. So I kind of feel like maybe I have like a little bit of a, more of a family support system. I have my friends, but I think, you know, and I have my, my sister-in-law too and her husband, but um, like my own family support. Cause you know my mother and my brothers are not aware of that but maybe some of like the extended family can be a little bit of what you know we need as far as family connection so, so I do feel good about that
0: so how have you and your kids gone about uh, healing from you know when all this information came out especially just really within the last year
1: um, well as far as uh, well, just, like, greeting their dad, I think, I just made sure, I didn't hide from them. I mean, they they knew I loved him, and I didn't hide from them how, I couldn't hide how upset I was. Like I said, looking back, like, I was a wreck. I've been a wreck for five years, but, like, I didn't see my mom be a wreck. Um, So I let them see me be a wreck, you know? And I'm not... um like, uh, deifying the dead or like acting like he was a saint. Like I'm willing to acknowledge the things that we all kind of knew, but didn't really say about, you know, the struggles he was having and how that affected everything and been honest and cared about them, you know? So we were already kind of doing pretty well. And then with all of this, when I first talked to my, um, you know, my youngest, my daughter, we talked, I, she said that she thought she she should talk to her brother about it, and I agreed. I, said, I think that's good. So there's no secrets, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she disclosed to us, you know, we all know kind of we're a unit, right? Um, and she's in counseling, and we've talked about... We talk about things a little bit we talk about how dysfunctional the whole family is we've touched on all this stuff it's it's hard you know I try to be really mindful of her and her feelings and it's like her story and her thing and you know um I'm not trying to like force any healing I'm just trying to like continue us being kind of on each other's side and a team you know a family like what it's supposed to be you know
0: and do you do your individual therapy and do you do a group therapy or do you just do in, like uh, individual therapy yourself?
1: So I have done some individual therapy like over the years and I've never had like amazing results, but I've had like a couple, I've had like one kind of bad therapist for sure. Definitely a weirdo. Um, I talk a lot. My, I have a friend, like my friend who witnessed the stuff happen. She's, she's older. She's like an older sister. She, she knows a lot about like recovery stuff. Like she talked to me a lot about my husband's like, you know, alcoholism and stuff and kind of like what he was, must've been going through. She knew him, but only a little bit. Like they met like right before he died. And so talking to her is helpful. She has like some similar issues in her, not, not quite as outrageous, but like her family background is somewhat similar. Some of the same kind of experiences. And she had a, like, her, she, she was in love and was with a guy, and they were going to get married with, for a couple of years, and he died when um, they were, like, in their 30s. So she's, like, in her 60s now, but she knows what it's like to lose, you know, a partner. Um, uh, we worked together, too, so she was helpful. Like, you know, she was kind of, like, my person, like, let everybody in my life know, like, what was going on. Um, And my other friends, like, I'd been... Good at choosing good friends. Um, It's hard as an adult. Like when you're out of school and stuff, I floundered a little bit in life. But luckily in my 30s, you know, kind of right before all of this went down and I needed it, I kind of, you know, got a really good core group of friends. My other friend that I've known since, you know, we were kids, I'm still friends with too. But um, And some, I did some grief group therapy, like after my husband died. Um, which is helpful um and read some books and stuff, you know, like on narcissist mothers and um kind of trying to understand a little bit more myself, like where I am in all of this, and how this has affected me and how I think about myself and um you know I think that my I have kind of a negative view of myself unreasonably you know and so trying to like build myself up to myself a little bit um take care of my kids you know and uh also listening to podcasts honestly (laughs) um I listen to a couple different ones like this one and I mean there's different ones I even like storytelling podcasts just when people tell like you know when people talk about themselves and I recognize it, <laughs> it makes me feel better, you know? And um, so I think actually I might have heard about your podcast listening to another one. I think maybe you were a guest on it. <laughs> uh, I did. And no I idea. was like, oh, Narcissist of <laughs> um, Paul Gilmartin and um, Mental Illness Happy I, Hour.
0: Yeah, that, I, I listened to that.
1: I feel like he either talked about it or oh, somebody no. was on I've, it. Never, I I've
0: never been on that podcast. If I was on that podcast, I'd have a lot more
1: listeners. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that's where I heard about yours. Really? So, I don't know. Oh, maybe oh. <laughs> I, the, I, there's a connection in my mind for sure. Um, maybe somebody mentioned it or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a good podcast. That's helped me a lot. Just listening to other people talk about their own struggles. Because some of this stuff is very, a lot of people have anxiety. A lot of people have, like, difficult family relationships. They're not exactly like mine. Um, a lot of people have self-doubt. <laughs> you know, a lot of people struggle. Even if on the outside it looks like, you know, you're functioning. Um, stuff is hard, man it's really, really hard to look at like all of the bad things in your life, you know, even if, well, in in my case, you know, I don't feel like I have a lot to atone for. Um, you know, it's, I like atone to myself really for like doubting myself or thinking badly about myself. Um, I did a pretty good job with a pretty lousy hand. And, um, you know, my husband, and I did too. Like I said, I, I really am coming into realizing that we we did create something as imperfect or whatever as we we are. Um we created something that we did not have, like that we lacked. Like, you know, my you can tell that my my children were not raised by someone like my mother. And she would tell me, like when I was young, like just you wait and you'll have a teenager and it'll be awful and they'll hate you and you know, it's terrible. You have children, they hate you and stuff like that um and that's not really the case <laughs> like it didn't happen that way I've never had real big struggles there's been issues and kind of my husband had more to do with some of that like he and my oldest sort of butted head they're both males and my husband was just not equipped I think to have like a, a teen. he hadn't dealt with his own teenage trauma and I think it was hard for him triggering in some weird way to have like a teenage son and I did not like that dynamic and I was trying to, you know, help that, you know, I, I, I was always trying to be a good uh, wife and mother, you know, I love these people, they're my family. Um, and so I guess, I guess like, I, I, I'm really recognizing actually that I have a healthy relationship with my kids and it's a little bit hard for me because I never had that. I never had an example of a good marriage. And I never had a good example of a good parent. And so being a good spouse and being a good mother kind of came naturally to me. But also being that, it's almost like I don't recognize it. My kids will come and talk to me about stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, like, whatever. Like, who cares? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, you know, they're coming to me and just, like, telling me about their day. And, like, that's sort of – I realize that's odd to me Mm -hmm. because – I would never do... I had no kind of relationship with my mother like that. Like, we never did things together, like, enjoyed... She didn't enjoy my company. I mean, she amused herself in my presence by being mean to me or whatever, but you know we never we never had that like kind of mom relation mom daughter relationship where you know there's things we did together or whatever no we did things that she wanted to do you know and she just like controlled the whole thing it had nothing to do with me or her enjoying me and i literally enjoy my kids like i have that kind of relationship with my daughter we do like to do stuff together like we do have like our things and i, I don't know i me and my kids share in each other's lives in, in ways that I didn't with my mother and I had no chance to with my father. And it it feels odd sometimes. Like, I kind of have to recognize, like, this feels odd to you because you, like, this is like nothing you've ever seen, you know?
0: But you're doing it and you're a good mom. And, you know, you came from <laughs> – you, you came from – A background where a lot of people wouldn't have been able to become a lawyer, um, you know, and, you know, be self sufficient. You know, you came from a family where your mom wanted you and everyone to be, uh, doting on her. And in just in that role yeah. right there, you became, um, you know, you won the lot I'm not going to say the lottery because you did that yourself, you know, but there was no <laughs> luck involved there. You did it. And then, you know, you got married, you had your uh, ups and, and downs there, your husband passed away, but you know, you still have these two, Children, you created this family that you never had with unconditional love from your children and you're involved in their lives and even though it might feel weird it's this thing that you were never used to, but you're you're mm-hmm. you're, you're getting to what you want and you worked for it um you know it wasn't easy. You had every every <laughs> no. corner, there was something always around a corner to try and stop it from happening, but you still got to where you are and you should be extremely proud of yourself for, for you know, fighting. E- even though, you know, I say this sometimes because people listen and they don't get to where you are. Everyone is brave and tough for whatever they do, but, you know, you, you've gotten to this place. Absolutely. You, you've, <laughs> you've gotten to this place and you still have you know, half your life left to have all these other things happen to you and to heal. And, you know, you're in that process now. It sounds like, you know, you're still in your ear in the beginning mm-hmm. to like whatever stage still, there's still probably a lot of stuff to that. You don't even know that, you know, maybe you still have to deal with, but, um, I mean, I mean, it's remarkable and you should be extremely proud of yourself. So I just wanted to tell you that and that you're, you know, if you don't hear it from other people, or you don't believe it, that you're loved and, and you're a lovable and, you know, I've talked to you this whole time and even before we went on and, you know, your voice is infectious. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you're a good friend to everyone and, you know, just that's, you know, thank you. For, for being here and, and and sharing your story.
1: Thank you for saying such nice things about me. <laughs> oh, well, you're welcome. It be, um, it is, I, I do hear it, but it is hard. You know, I do have people that love me, but it is hard for me to, like, for it to sink in, you know?
0: Yeah, to, for it to sink in and for you to believe it.
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's so, hard for me.
0: So uh, before we leave today, are there any words of wisdom uh, or advice for anyone who's gone through the same thing as you and is dealing with it on a day-to-day?
1: Um, that if it feels hard, it is really hard. And if it's really hard, it's because you're like doing work, you know? Um, I've seen a lot of people and like my family, um, my husband and his family, like sweep up stuff under the, you know, you don't examine the difficult things If trust your gut. And, and you know, if things don't feel right to you, they're probably not. And you should explore that, you know, and, there may be things that you've done that you regret, like I've done things that I regret, or, you know, circumstances that are just unfortunate, and you just kind of have to, like, it's kind of all a grieving process. Um, you have to grieve what you've lost in a lot of different ways. People have to do that. They they lose things in a lot of different ways, and it's it's hard to kind of grapple with that and come to terms with that and feel all of the negative feelings and think all of the obsessive thoughts and you know not be able to sleep for you know, years like this is kind of how it's been for me for the last few years but that means you're it always as shitty as it feels like you're always then progressing a step like when you feel that way you know and it gets easier. Like, the more you can kind of do that, it, the more you're able to sort of push through it all. Um, and you're right that I'm lucky in a way that I I think I have some level of resilience, right? Obviously, I have some kind of, like, survivor instinct. Um, so everybody's got that in whatever way. Like, latch on to that, you know, survive, like, how you can. Um, but honor yourself in it, you know, um, like and honor the pain because it's real.
0: Well, Rain, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for being here today and sharing your story. I know it was difficult. Um, you know, we were talking about some really heavy things today. So uh, thank you from the <laughs> yes. bottom, bottom of my heart uh, for for being here uh, with me.
1: Thank you for being here.
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, right.
1: I, I want to thank you.
0: Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> oh, welcome. continue,
0: continue. I'm waiting for more.
1: <laughs> I, you're amazing, too. I can't believe, like, I don't even know how you got this wonderful idea. You're helping so many people. You helped me. Um, I'm sure that all of the story and your guests are helping people, too. I don't know if I'll help anybody, but, you know, maybe you'll hear some good stories. <laughs> um, you help me, and I am so grateful for you, and I'm sorry for all the people who are courageous enough to, you know, tell their stories to you. Like, I I really mean it when I said, like, hearing other people's stories, no matter what they are, it could be about narcissism, that, you know, that, you know, resonates with me. But even just, you know, stories about people and their lives and their emotions, like, it's healing for all of us to share these things. And no, this isn't, you know, in person. We're not in the same room. It's not a group of close friends. But sometimes, sometimes a stranger, you know, and their story and their understanding of you, can be the thing that you need, you know. It, it, not everybody that's like super close to you can can really always fill all your needs, you know. No one person, right, can fill all your needs. And this is a great way, I think, for people to kind of like share their experiences and maybe either learn from each other's or at least know that you're not alone, you know. <laughs>
0: and you know so thank you oh, you're, well you're welcome and you're
1: lovely and your voice is amazing i mean you just you do this stuff like a pro you're, well, you're great <laughs> thank you and, and, and while while
0: we're doing the thank you me let's thank uh, one person that you mentioned in the email uh, if if she's listening which is ashley from the ashley episode yeah. which which resonated a lot with you so uh if ashley if you're if you're listening to this you know this episode uh was inspired you know uh, Uh, by rain listening to yours is a big inspiration for her to come on. So uh, for everyone who's listening, who's been on the show before, just remember, you know, uh, there's so many people out there that have been inspired by you. You may not know it, but they are, and they're changing their lives because of you. So for all of you, myself and rain are, are, are thanking you today. Yay! And and that's it. So, um, (laughs) Thank you, and uh, for everyone else who is listening, I hope you have a good night.